Hi, my name is Braxton Brooks, and I am a comedy writer. Um, I love writing things that explore social commentary or darker subject matter and find levity in them. Sort of what I love doing. I also love writing about characters who are at a transitional point in their lives. My background is musical theater, sketch and improv comedy. So yeah, I generally just like choosing career paths that are really stable and financially secure. <laughs> okay, well, I, okay, so <laughs> I have to explain why I was writing in my car. I had, uh, I just had a baby uh, when the Writer's Colony opportunity came my way. Uh, I think maybe, I think my son was only about three weeks old or so, and I had agreed, no, it was two weeks, and I had a freelance opportunity. And I was like, yeah, he's taking naps, it'll be fine. Accepted the job, and then he got very colicky. If you don't know what colicky means, it just means your baby cries, and the doctor's like, we don't really know why. But it could be, he could be gassy, he could have acid reflux, he could just be confused, but you don't know, the baby's just screaming in your face. So I'd taken the job before he got really colicky. So then he was, but I still, you know, I had still turned in my pages. And we live in a two bedroom apartment. So as a mom, I just couldn't be in the apartment while he was screaming, because it's, it's distracting. You know, you want to take care of your child. But again, I had to turn in. <laughs> I had the work to turn in. And having him be so young, I wasn't comfortable just going to a coffee shop with, you know, the COVID of it all mask mandates aren't in place. So I can't just be sitting up under people and then coming home and then breathing on my very, very young child. So I was like, you know where's safe? My car, and it's quiet, and it's close to home. So that's what I did. It just became my little writing pod uh, for those little assignments for a while. And I found out about Writer's Colony through my manager. Uh, I think knows uh, Susie, who's a um, you know development exec here, and he he brought me up when she was talking about the Writers Colony. He was like, "Oh, I think I know someone who would be a good fit for this program," and unbeknownst to me, sent my samples. Like that's that's how sneaky and good they are. They don't, you don't even know you're being vetted like send my samples before I guessed <laughs> to make sure it was okay <laughs> to then send me an invitation to apply. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I made it through the first round of approval, got the invitation, applied, uh, and it just was really, the, the invitation they send you is, is very compelling in terms of how it uh, describes the space. At least it was to me at the time, and it was, literally just a place where you have space and time to be able to listen to your creative voice. Which, you know, being a new mom of a three-week-old, I didn't have really space or really time. Um, and I still feel like I never <laughs> have any time. Like, you know, when I come here, I go and I'm like, chat, chat, chat work time because this is really truly right now all the time I have like I don't go home and have extra time 
to get my writing done. Uh, but the, the thing that really did stick out to me was the emphasis on community. Uh, because my community at the time was nothing outside of the walls of my apartment. It was, you know, me, my husband, and my newborn, which I love. However, again, if you need to get those pages done, it was not the space to do that. At least I, it was not the space for me to do that. I could not <laughs> um, compartmentalize to the point where my child could be in the other room crying and I could not be paying attention to him and writing. Could not zone it out. Could not zone it out at all. Um, so that's how I heard about it and I was just like, oh, community, space, some time because I think I really did need to come to the realization that if I wanted to get some writing done or get some of those ideas down, that I literally had to make myself carve out the time because the things that I'm gonna be doing for my child are gonna be never ending. Like, the, like I think I, I've said this before, like, oh, I had an epiphany, like my mom to-do list is never gonna be done. So if I was waiting for it to be done, I was just never gonna get any writing finished. So I, I applied and fortunately was in, invited. I think I was probably the last person. I think I applied on like, I don't even know when I applied, but I applied a couple days later, they wrote and invited me. And then like a week later we were here. So it was a pretty fast process. And like the timing could not have been better because it coincided with my maternity leave. So, you know, it's been this nice little pocket of time. It was outside of time. Like my whole routine really had changed from before my son to having him and then having this little space where I have mommy creative time so that he's not gonna remember it. But I like to think that now it's planted the seed for me to know that this is an important part of my identity and it's an important part for my son to see like oh mommy has goals and mommy has things that she works on that are going to benefit me but don't necessarily involve me you know like I think that's important for a child to know like I love you with all my heart but sometimes I'm going to do some things that are not about you <laughs> I should say not about you that are, that are for you but aren't always going to involve you, you know? Like I want him to see me thriving and, you know, still going after my dreams because I want to model that type of behavior for him. And I want to model that type of behavior as, as you're a person independent of your mother and your father and you can be apart from us and still thrive and be secure. And, you know, you'll be okay. <laughs> You're apart from us. Don't get me wrong, as soon as I get home, it's like, oh my gosh, what happened in this past six hours? My mommy missed you so much. But it was like, what do you mean what's he been doing? He's an infant. He's been sleeping and eating, going in the bathroom. <laughs> it felt it felt like such one, it felt like a blessing, you know. Two it felt very serendipitous that it came at the time that it did when I think physically and emotionally, I will say, 
I think I really needed it. Um, you know, postpartum depression is, is generally a chemical thing, but I think I would have had significantly more baby blues had I not had this uh, opportunity not to be away from my kid, but just opportunity to, huh. hey. <laughs> that's, that's Alexis, y'all. Hey, Alexis. <laughs> I'm mic'd up. It's okay, it's already re recording. See, that's a moment. That's a moment. <laughs> Community. <laughs> Um, see, I feel like I was saying I was I was saying something deep. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> you were oh, yeah. The, oh man. Okay. What was it? Oh yes. Okay. So I think it was important, honestly, for my mental health because having a newborn was so consuming and. Uh, it's like you want to do, I wanted to do all that I could for my child, make him comfortable, make sure he's you know, safe, make sure, oh, is this crying something serious? Is it just discomfort? Oh, I need to, what do I need to order? What do I need to do? Okay, we need to wash bottle parts, pump parts. Okay, I need to breastfeed. Now I need to put on, you know, nipple butter because my nipples are raw, you know? And now I need to check in, make pediatric appointments. There's just so much in the beginning that it's such an abrupt turn from being able to shower and not think twice about it to then thinking, and trust me, I did fit that shower in because it's kind of a non-negotiable, but I had to think, when am I going to shower? What type of shower is this gonna be? Is this gonna be just the essentials? We gonna do full body? Are we gonna be able to wash hair today? No, we're not. And so you're not even talking about things like getting your nails done, reading a book, answering some text messages, you know, writing pages. So that degree of not having, people talk about, you know, self-care. And like, honestly, self-care for me at the time was the essentials like, ooh, I have a, a second to go to the bathroom. I have a second to take a three minute shower. So having to flip such a 180 is really abrupt and it can it can make you a little a little sad because all of a sudden you're like, I can't hear myself think. You know, like I love this baby, but I don't feel like I'm having any fun. And don't get it wrong, having a newborn unless you have a sweet little angel baby that sweeps all the time. I wouldn't call it fun. Like, it's a beautiful new experience. But like, I don't know anyone who's like, oh man, I can't wait to only get an hour of sleep here and there. <laughs> uh, so what this did, it, it gave, it, it justified me taking some time a few times a week for myself. And it's difficult, I think, for women, you know, as mothers to justify that to yourself with, I don't, I can't speak for like older children, but like for a newborn to be like, 
yes, three times a week, I'm gonna take a couple hours out of the day for myself. It felt selfish to me, and it also felt like, well, I could be using this time to be doing X, Y, Z for the baby, for the household. Uh, and since this was tied to my professional goals, it was something that, you know, in my mind, you know, was justifiable and was easy. My husband's like, yeah, of course, go get it. And it's a little sad, you know, that it had to be tied to something professionally for me to feel like it was okay. But that's what it took. And I think I'm so glad it did happen because it got me out of my house. It got me, you know, to <laughs> get dressed. It got me talking to other writers. And it gave me some perspective for when I am home to be like, oh, now I came back and I'm refreshed. And it's not that much time, you know? Three days a week, maybe like six, seven hours. I'm like, and I'm still here all the time with this baby. Like he is still seeing so much of me. Um, so that was a very long tangent, but specifically on in terms of Mara providing the opportunity and having interaction with her on a regular basis, it's just really cool, you know, when you have someone who is doing what you want to do and has been doing it for a long time, you know? I mean, like, she's had hits upon hits for decades. Like, I remember one of my friends, TiVoing girlfriends. Yes, that's right, I didn't say DVR, I said TiVoing girlfriends. You know, oh, you wanna watch girl, boop, boop. <laughs> oh my god, you need to go away. Um, <laughs> TiVo was this box that would DVR things before the cable company had. No, that's not true. I think you could. You just had to pay extra for on your DVR. Yes, but it was like something that you bought on the side. And she was fancy because she had like a consulting job. Like we was right out of college, and we watched Girlfriends. And so to now be in a space that's been provided by someone who, you know, created girlfriends is, it's inspirational. It's inspirational, it's motivational, and it also, I think, humanizes my goals. You know, to realize, oh, showrunners are people. They're people who exist in the world, and they will talk to you, and they have thoughts, and they have, things they like and things they don't like, and they're not mythical creatures, you know? They're people who've probably felt the same sort of insecurities, or maybe even still feel the same sense of insecurities or the same questions or have the same road bumps, uh, speed bumps all during their process. Yeah, and you know, I will say Mara at times has, you know, given me little tidbits like, hey, like, you're, go you're not gonna have a whole lot of time. Like, keep a pad and pen, like, in the bathroom or your phone or something to just catch these ideas because, yeah, you might not have that as much time to sit down at home, but like, you can still be writing and thinking through things in your head, which is something I think I've always been aware of, but to have someone just plainly be like, look, <laughs> you need to, but you know, yes, make 
the best of your time. And that might have to be while you're washing bottle parts or nursing. And it's not that you can't be a writer. It's not that you can't aspire to be a showrunner. It's that the shape of your time has just changed. Um, yeah, so she's giving me a couple of nice like nuggets that I will, I will hold near and dear to my heart. Uh, I mean, especially like, yeah, she's doing what I want to do. She's a mom, she's a mama too. Ooh, okay, there's two I really like. And this, and this, people have said before, but it's just always great to hear that she thinks about it too. And it's really, what is your story about? What is it about? And if you can't really say that concisely, then it's not there yet. You know, just like sit for a moment, ask what is it about and what questions or question are you asking? Um, I think that's very valuable. And then the other thing, and this is not necessarily about story, is how she has said many, many times that she wants to reach back as she climbs, which I so appreciate, uh, especially, you know, in, in 2020, everyone was like, let's help a black person. And that manifested as in, I'm gonna have a one-time Zoom call, coffee. And there's value in that. I'm not knocking anyone for doing, you know, that, because that's a Zoom call and a connection that you didn't have before. But for real sustainable systemic change, it's way more valuable that, oh wow, like I have had several lunches with a small group with this showrunner who is telling us stories of when she was coming through the industry, who's asking us questions, we're asking her questions, or just talking like people, you know, in the break room as we're in, in passing. Because those types of organic connections foster relationships, you know, whether it's with Mara or Danya or Susie or Yana or my other cohorts. You know, there's four wonderful black women here that I will keep in touch with. And it's a much easier thing to do when you've had repeated, unplanned, easy interactions with people. Um, I forget, I think it was a New York Times article. It was like, why it's harder to make friends when you're an adult. And it basically boiled down to once you're out of you know, college or a workplace environment, it's hard to make friends because building friendship relies on proximity, regular unplanned interactions. That's where unplanned, unplanned, like you just bump into each other all the time. And then the third thing I think was the ability to let your guard down and be vulnerable. And for like college, that's, you know, going drinking. <laughs> or, you know, other activities. Um, so y'all can fill in the blanks about that. But I think that's so true. And so here it was like, oh, we're in proximity to one another. We're having regular interactions. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of drinking. Every once in a while there was, you know, some cute rosé out for events and whatnot. 
But the letting your guard down was simply these very candid conversations we were having with one another that we could have because we were comfortable with one another, because we are writers and we're talking about lived experiences, life experiences, emotional things. Oh, that's, that's really what I will take the nugget, is not necessarily what the story is about from a plot standpoint, but what the story is about emotionally, I think is what I've really honed in on or been able to. I think Mara said it in such a way that hit me in a way that it hadn't when other people have said it. Because I got from her, oh, what is your story about? And when she says it sometimes, she like will hold her hands to her heart. You know, what is your story about? I'm like, oh, like what's the gut feeling? What is it about? Meaning, what does it speak to you emotionally? And that's true. Like most of us, we don't watch TV or movies to see a series of events. Like that's a documentary. We watch to see people's lived emotional experiences in those moments. So I will take that with me. If, it, for you, if you can't see, you can't see what we're doing, but I'm doing a lot of hand gestures. And oh, my heart, yes. <laughs> I'm making eyes, emotional eyes. <laughs>